you know, I come up with these sometimes provocative sermon titles, but as you probably pick up on, a lot of the times they become less provocative, and you know exactly what I'm going to be preaching on once the scripture text has been read. There's a lot of talk about what is God's will for my life, right? I mean, I think that's one of the most common questions that plagues Christians, and Cooper read a, 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 a verse from First Thessalonians where it talks about what God's will for our life is. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before we get into that, I also want to talk about a book and read a quote from that book. You know, there are a number of Christian classics in literature, Mere Christianity, Steps to Christ, The Pilgrim's Progress. These are fairly well-known books. But there is a, a lesser-known book that I believe deserves to be on the same shelf with some of those heavy hitters. In the early 18th century, an English pastor by the name of William Law wrote a book entitled A Serious Call, to a devout and holy life. And in it, he wrote this. Would you know who is greatest saint in the world? It is not he who prays most or fasts most. It is not he who gives most alms or is more eminent for temperance, chastity, or justice. But it is he who is always thankful to God. Now, obviously, this is simply the opinion of one man. But I think he was on to something. I think he was on to something. And I hope this morning to present a clear case from the Bible for why I agree with this statement from William Law. I resonate a lot with this quote because I believe that giving thanks is an act of worship. Giving thanks is an act of worship. Do you realize that every time in the Bible that Jesus handled food, he gave thanks? There are almost as many instances of Jesus giving thanks as there are of Jesus praying. Let that sink in. Now, just to be clear, he gave thanks at other times too, not just when handling food. Let me show you a few. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. You can find the same instance in Luke 10, 21. And before feeding the 4,000, we find this. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. This action is also recorded in Mark's gospel, Mark 8, 6. And then before feeding the 5,000, we see this. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. And then before raising Lazarus 
from the dead, which we studied in last week's sermon. Jesus prayed these words, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. In the upper room, while hosting the communion with his disciples, we find Jesus doing this. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, with the wine, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. You see, Jesus was all about giving thanks. And as our example, I believe that we would do well to follow his lead. Another important aspect of the Christian lifestyle is in the area of faith. Faith. And there are a number of good things that faith can offer to benefit our spirit of thankfulness. We may be living good lives. We may be living out love and generosity and reflecting high moral standards, practicing justice and treating others how we would like to be treated. These are all good things, good things. And giving thanks is just one of these good things. But how often do we find ourselves making it the least? Right? A lot of focus, a lot of talk on love and generosity, high moral standards, practicing justice, treating others how they would like to be treated. But then what about when it comes to being thankful? It seems almost like, you know, uh, you just tack it on at the end. It's a, a footnote sometimes. Before we go too much farther, we, we've got to be able to tell the difference between polite gratitude and real gratitude. Because there is a difference, right? This isn't about sending a thank you note because you feel obliged or obligated to do so. This isn't about just merely saying thank you out of habit to the server when they bring food to your table. No, the real thing is deep. It's lasting. A heartfelt appreciation for your blessings. To thank is to think. To thank is to think. I'm kind of, I'll be honest, I'm a little bummed out this morning that I don't see Teddy in the audience because I wanted to, to show off a little bit um, and, and, and tell her that I know a little bit about German, the German language. <laughs> to think is to think. Why do I say this? It's because the English word thank, it comes from a Germanic word which means to think. In the old days, to thank came from the idea of continuing to think about the good thing that was done for you. It wasn't just an offhanded thank you, but continuing to think about it, to resonate with it, to feel that gratitude in your soul. You'd ponder it 
you'd meditate on it. To be thankful was not the same as quickly forgetting your blessings. And so in connection with true thankfulness or gratitude, I say to thank is to think. I believe that God blesses us each and every day. Each and every day. Sometimes we are simply too busy or too anxious or too flustered to see those blessings, right? We don't always feel it. And this is why I believe we should take something else into consideration. Don't forget to count. Don't forget to count. Giving thanks can help prevent us from taking things for granted. Taking things for granted. It's easy to let the, the, the blessings slide on by. Life moves fast, right? It's often hectic. It's ever-changing. Especially when you, you, know, you think about the world today and technology. It's hard to keep up. It's always changing, always moving, new thing to, to learn, new thing to buy. It's simple for us to move on to the next need, the next goal, the next problem, and to for, forget about the blessings completed. Just in one ear and out the other, gone, like dust in the wind. There is wisdom and life in learning to slow down, slow down, and to participate in, as the, the pastor and author John Mark Comer says, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Has anybody read that book? Anybody here read that book? Okay, D, you have? It's amazing, right? Absolutely life-changing, that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Slowing down gives us the opportunity to count our blessings. And not just to count them, but then to voice our thanks for them. Counting can also keep us from complaining. Yet sadly, this seems to be more and more of a rarity amongst humanity. Many of us experience this. Lots of complaining, lots of complaining. And we know how it can make us feel, but have you ever stopped to think and to consider how, how it makes God feel? How must it make God feel? How often do we go to him with our complaints, anger, and frustrations while forgetting to also thank him for our blessings? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's, it's, it's wrong to go to God with our angers and our frustrations, our fears, our worries. I believe he wants us to come to him with those things. But again, if we believe that he blesses us every day, we also have some thanks to bring to him along with all of the negative things, right? When it comes to the positives and the negatives in our prayers, which are we more passionate about? Just think about that in your own life, in your own prayers, when you're coming to God. Think about the, the, the negative things and the positive things. What are you more passionate about? Jesus, 
got the proportion just about right in Luke 17. He heals 10 lepers, and then he sends them off to the temple to be cleansed. But how many came back to give thanks? And one of them, Luke 17, 15 through 16, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10? Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except as foreigner? Now, there's, there's a whole sermon to unpack there. I, I, I've talked at length up here about the Jews and the Samaritans. But I think, you know, maybe Jesus is expecting that, that, that these Jews that were close to him and, and his religion and his culture and his way of doing things and his worship of God would be coming back. But instead, it was this Samaritan, this foreigner who the Jews looked at as being ungrateful, undeserving, unloving, unkind. But one out of 10, there were 10 lepers, all were healed, one came back. Only one was as enthusiastic with gratitude as with the complaints. The blessings just slide right on by. Allow me to share a little parable. This parable was written by the great American preacher, Henry Ward Beecher. He said, if one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my eyes and search for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it. And how would it draw to itself the almost invisible particles by the mere power of attraction? The unthankful heart, like my finger in the sand, discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. It's pretty profound, isn't it? One of God's greatest blessings is answered prayers. Answered prayers. And with that in mind, let us also remember that giving thanks is one of the best ways to keep count of answered prayers. Generally speaking, our prayers are typically focused on our needs. But how many of us, when we've devoted hours, sometimes even years, praying for help, actually take the time to sweep that magnet of thankfulness through our lives, to see if God has indeed helped us already. Wow. Makes me think of what you shared just a few moments ago, Laurie. Sometimes maybe we're so focused on the, the, the issues, the circumstances, that we don't realize that God is changing us. And if we don't take time to actually do some introspection and to, to run that magnet of thankfulness through our lives, our hearts, we won't realize God has already answered the prayer. 
He just did it in a way we weren't expecting. <laughs> Could you imagine if a store like Walmart just stopped doing inventory? <laughs> what if they never checked the warehouse? The shelves would all be bare. It only takes so long for people to buy up what's on the shelves. But as silly as, as that is to think about, a huge corporation not doing inventory, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can admit that we kind of do that same thing. We're constantly putting in orders to God, but rarely doing any inventory. If we never give thanks to God for answered prayers, we will be stuck feeling like we've never been blessed. Near the start of this sermon, I, I read that quote from William Law's book. But I didn't finish the quote. I stopped prematurely. So let, let me read the whole thing. Here's what I read earlier. Would you know who is greatest saint in the world? It is not he who prays most or fasts most. It is not he who gives most alms or is more eminent for temperance, chastity, or justice, but it is he who is always thankful to God. Now for the part I left out. Who wills everything that God wills. Who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness and as a heart always ready to praise God for it. Now, for those of us that maybe refer to ourselves as being realists, that, that can be a tough pill to swallow. We want to see things as they are. We want to be honest. We don't want to look at everything through rose-tinted glasses. But over the years, I've come to understand something, something really important about being a Christian. Because of the things that I believe in as a Christian, that hard, pessimistic, realistic way of viewing things isn't how things actually are. If there is, in fact, a God who is working behind the scenes in our lives, then we've got to believe that whatever things happen to us can and will ultimately be turned out for good. Giving thanks is how we begin to notice God working behind the scenes. This is the reality of the Christian worldview. Behind the scenes, someone greater than us is interceding on our behalf. That's what Christians believe. And gratitude is how we can see God's hand in our lives and in the lives of others. Now, we aren't all knowing. We aren't all knowing. And oftentimes, we are quite blind to God's involvement in the world. Some of life's events, they simply don't have a happy ending. But as a believer, and this is where the, the faith comes in, as a believer, I trust that God is working it out. And if he doesn't work it out now, he will work it out in the long run, in the future. 
even if that means waiting until heaven. That's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. But that's the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. Giving thanks plants our feet on heaven's ground. When we practice giving thanks, we express our assurance in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We grasp a hold to this promise, even if it doesn't look or feel like it's the truth in the short term. I realize that it's easier said than done, but it's still something worth working toward. Now, you may be asking, what about hard times? What about tragedy? What about difficulty? Well, as I said before, Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. Jesus experienced a tragic life in numerous ways. He was born into poverty, and many thought that he was conceived out of wedlock. His family then became refugees, and when they do return back home, it's to the struggling village of Nazareth. He works as a carpenter until he's about 30, and then spends the next few years of his life being threatened and plotted against. He is then executed at the young age of 33. Taking all of this into account, how could Jesus be thankful? Even in some of his most difficult, dire circumstances, Jesus managed to stay positive. Near the end, his enemies were closing in. One of his closest followers had betrayed him, all while death stared him in the face. But there he was in that upper room breaking bread, and giving thanks to God. He might not have always felt optimistic, but still he thanked his heavenly father. Even though Jesus was facing imminent tragedy, he had the faith that the universe was in good hands. The universe was in good hands. It's important that we learn to slow down, Breathe, come back to the moment. Receive the good as a gift and accept the hard as a pathway to peace. Abide. As I just read in Romans, in the end, all things work together for our good. That's something to be thankful for. Gratitude makes us focus on the good when otherwise we would probably just be focusing on the negative. It makes us focus on the blessings of God more than the disappointments that we face. It helps us see possibility and ability instead of failure and weakness. I've shared this story before, but I think it bears repeating. In my home state of Alabama, there is a town called Enterprise. 
And in the center of this town sits a, a strange monument. And it's dedicated to a small beetle called the Mexican Bull Weevil. In the late 1800s, it made its way to the U.S. from Mexico. And by 1908, it had invaded Alabama. And this pest ravaged and almost destroyed the cotton industry in a matter of years. Since that time, it has cost U.S. cotton producers almost $13 billion. And it remains to this day the most destructive cotton pest in all of North America. So why would Enterprise Alabama have a monument to this beetle? Because at the time it invaded, the community thought all was lost. All was lost, crumbling down around them. But because of the weevil, farmers were forced to think outside the box. They had to diversify. They had to grow other crops. And by 1920, there was a peanut boom, and the entire county benefited from the wealth that the crops brought it. The inscription near the monument says this, in profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what it has done as the herald of prosperity. This sounds strange, but it's true. Appreciation for tragedy. Giving thanks can help us realize that some of life's hardest moments were the very ones that prepared us for victory. There won't be any shortages of tragedy in this sinful world. But grateful people know that blessings are sure to follow. God is more powerful than evil. Our friend is more powerful than our enemy. As Pastor Elizabeth Talbot often likes to remind her listeners, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. So let me ask you this. During these current strange and interesting times, as we move toward this holiday known as Thanksgiving, what are you giving thanks for? Dear friends, what are you giving thanks for? As Christians, we have a lot to be thankful for. We can give thanks that God is faithful, just, loving, and patient. We can give thanks that he gave us life and an ability to be a light unto the world. We can give thanks that he wants to play an active role in our lives. We can give thanks for the forgiveness that comes from the shed blood of Jesus. We can give thanks that we never have to experience the second death. We can give thanks for God's word that continues to encourage us in hard times, give us wisdom in tough decisions, and ultimately give us hope in the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. We can give thanks for community and the fact that no matter whether we are together in person or in spirit, Jesus is our shepherd and he is leading our way. Amen. We can give thanks for our daily bread, whether that be physical or spiritual. Because there are millions of people in this world that don't have that luxury. 
We can give thanks, though, that through our tithes and offerings, we can help to alleviate the stress and pain for those same individuals as God blesses the funds that we give and helps to multiply them to go throughout this world for his name's sake. We can give thanks that this sinful world is not our home and that Christ is coming soon to walk us into sinless eternity. We can give thanks that our prayers are heard and answered in accordance with God's will. We can give thanks for the difficult situations in life. As Paul reminds us, those sufferings, they produce endurance. That endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul also talks about prayer in a way that transcends a mere action. He tells us to pray without ceasing. He talks about a lifestyle of prayer. I believe gratitude can be treated in the same way. Giving thanks isn't an action as much as it is a lifestyle. We can learn to grow to a point where we give thanks at all times and in all things. As our scripture reading told us, We can give thanks in all circumstances, every single one. I pray that is the goal that we all strive for. I pray that we all get to the point where Jesus is at the center of why we give thanks. Give thanks for power over sin, as demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Give thanks for forgiveness of sin, as demonstrated by the cross of Christ. And give thanks, thanks for the power over death, as was demonstrated by the resurrection of Christ. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. As we head into the Thanksgiving holiday week, let us sing a song of thanksgiving. Amen. For now, I'm going to invite Larie to come forward. Stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge for today. After the benediction, those of you who wish can be dismissed, but if there's anybody here that has any special requests, any special needs, or maybe you just have something that you are so thankful for, come see me. Come see Larry. We would love to listen and lift your petitions and your praises up to the throne of God. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. Lord, give us eyes to see. Lord, give us the ability to just slow down a little bit, to count our blessings, to thank you for all that you do in our lives and in the world. Lord, may we have this positive spirit as we go out into the world as we try to evangelize for Jesus, may we paint a beautiful portrait of what it means to be a Christian. May our lives reflect this. May our words reflect this. And Lord, in the privacy of our prayers, may you see it as well. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.